Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. After last week's episode, Cam and I were talking about that ADHD one down perspective that we touched on last week, how we can often feel like we're less than or we're coming from a place of being inferior and we have to make up for. And Cam, a place that I see this often with my clients showing up is with their relationships, their friendships and other social relationships. Is that something you see too? I do. Yeah. I think there, I also see it professionally too. And it's this idea of, I'm not doing this right. It's sort of this pervasive or default mindset. Somehow, I'm not doing this right. So why don't you share your example? So I had a client come to a coaching session a couple of weeks ago, wanting to talk about how to improve her friendships. That's something that is really important to her and something she wanted to work on in coaching. And maintaining friendships, especially as adults with children and jobs and spouses, is really difficult for those of us with ADHD. We're not super good at responding to messages, to keeping up with our correspondence, to carving out the time or making the transition to make a phone call. So we do have our struggles and this stuff is true. But she came thinking everything she did as a friend was wrong. I am not doing friendship right. So I wanted to dig around in that a little bit. So she kind of had this perspective of, I'm not really a part of any friend groups. I have individual friends, but I'm on the outside. Okay, clients, why do you feel like you are on the outside? Well, I'm not good at small talk. And I'm really not good at getting involved with other people's drama. I am not the friend that you can call if you just want to feed the drama. I'm not good at it and I don't like doing it. Well, Cam, I'm not good at small talk either. And I have very low tolerance for drama myself. So I repeated these things back to this client. So are these things that you want to do? Do you want to be better at small talk? No, hard no. Do you want to get involved in other people's drama? No, heck no. That's not me. I'm the friend that you call if you need help, if you need support, if you need to strategize, or if you need to vent, but you're not trying to stir up drama. All of those things are what you can call on me for. All of a sudden, this client had a very different perspective on who she is as a friend because she does show up for her friends in very specific ways, in ways that are very important to the people in her life. Now, she has her challenges that she needs to work on, her ADHD-related challenges of keeping up with messaging and correspondence and keeping touch. But that's very different than I'm just doing the whole thing incorrectly or the only correct way to do it is the neurotypical way. That's a great example. As I was listening to that, I was thinking about the TV show Friends and that we are kind of given these examples of how things are quote unquote supposed to look like. That there's friends with six good looking people 
and they have their kind of dramas and it's, it's, it's sort of set around a, a, a three camera set. And we are, we naturally will compare. Humans will compare. And those of us with ADHD are externally wired for stimuli on the outside and inputs. And we're doing that comparison thing of, okay, this is how they're doing it, whether it's a friend's episode or just watching other people. I'm just reminded as, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about picking up my kid at school. I pick her up, we go in the gym and there are all these people in these small groups doing small talk and they're just masters at it. I go in there and it's a bit overwhelming and I kind of feel you know, a little bad. Like I don't I have really nothing to say. It was sort of like that adjustment to, you know what? It's sort of like what you did with your client was to realize, okay, you know, I'm not a small talk person. And I knew this, but even if you go into those situations, you're going to feel that pressure and a pressure or the sense of, I'm not doing this right. But then I think about what am I there for? I'm not there for small talk. I'm there to pick up my daughter and and see how her day was and really engage with her. But it, it is a fascinating manifestation of ADHD. I think that there are people who don't like small talk and don't do drama. There's also those that do do small talk and drama. They love to dig in and dive in and, and, and into that stuff. And so I don't think it's necessarily an ADHD thing not to do small talk, but it's understanding what works for you and not to get hung up in that, in that statement of that there is a right way. And I'm not doing it. This is about authentic expression and finding out who you are and how you best show up. And in this case, with respect to friendships, how you support others and how they support you. Well said, Cam. And you're right. The way that I describe how my client shows up, the way that you show up, the way that I show up, and the things that each of us find easy in relationships and difficult in relationships are different. So listener, it's not about what is difficult for my client. It's about this perspective that she's doing it wrong, that she perceives her own needs, her own preferences, and her own strengths as a friend is somehow doing it incorrectly. And that part is the part that is uniquely ADHD because that's getting stuck in black and white thinking down in effect in the limbic system where we're not distinguishing between what things are our things to work on and the things that we would like to improve and what things are innately who we are and are not only okay, can be an asset and a strength. So that, that mindset is not a great starting place to solving the problem. When you start with, I must be doing this wrong, right? Or there's a right way and I'm not doing it. Is that we're not setting ourselves up for success and figuring out what is a path forward? What can a relationship built on trust and mutual respect look like? This comes back to, we are wired differently. And so we show up differently and that that's okay you're okay how you are. And going back to last week, there's a group of people out there who are supportive, 
So last week it was about professional support. This week it's really about finding a peer group, a social group that sees you for who you are and celebrates you and all you are and sees the positives through those level one lunch counter manifestations or presentations of ADD, of the, the messiness, the, the lateness, the forgetfulness. We talked about cut and run cam way back in the early days of the podcast. We both oh, no. tended to have that habit back in the day, the cut and run. Yeah. So I like to joke that my longest standing friends are the ones that just wouldn't let me do that. But it's not a joke. It's true. They were the ones that were just stubborn and stuck anyway. And back then, it irritated me. Isn't that funny? It would irritate me. These friends that would just show up after months and months of me being a bad friend and not communicating because I didn't see my own value. I didn't understand why they were putting forth the effort when I had not communicated at all in many months. Why would you put forth this effort? But now I have a different perspective. I'm still pretty crappy at maintaining regular communication. My best friend lives four hours away. I'm lucky if I talk to her on the telephone once a year. But if she's here and she has extra time, we see each other. She's still my best friend. And she knows that about me. And it's okay. So the difference is, is I am not taking myself out to the woodshed about my communication challenges. I'm doing the best I can. And my closest friends and the people who matter most to me are the people who know that about me and who accept it. And I think I've mentioned before my mom, she has a thing where she'll call me and leave a voicemail. And a couple days later, if I haven't answered, she'll send a text. And a couple days after that, she'll send the text. Hi, please let me know that you are not dead and everything is at least okay-ish. <laughs> like any sort of communication, I understand that you're in that place where you're not communicating. I get you, you're my child, but... Could you like, just let me know that you're not dead. Thanks. So when you said cut and run, I, I just, I, I had this visceral response. But again, back to, oh my God, these old behaviors. If it got too hot in the kitchen, if it got too complicated, it would trigger an overwhelm kind of response in me. And that overwhelm, when we talk about overwhelm, what we understand to be is the prefrontal cortex really basically just goes offline. Right. And then we're going to resort to the limbic or emotional brain. And I would, and again, the, the, the instinct was to run like a rabbit, you know, just, just disappear, go to ground. It's like, where'd that guy go? <laughs> it, just, it was the easiest thing to do. And so what are you doing? Right. It's like burning bridges, uh, just like these big question marks of what happened to that guy? Uh, what happened there? And so recognizing that behavior first, you know, so I would stop it. It's like, you know what, you're not doing anyone any favors or, you know, no service to anyone to kind of cut and run. Or when it got too hot in the kitchen or too complicated, you just kind of vanish. And so now going forward, it's really thinking about uh, going, um, I wouldn't say cautiously, but with some pre-thought into new relationships. 
of, okay, is this, is this a relationship that's going to be where there's that potential for respect and trust? And, you know, is this person going to expect me to remember their birthdays? Because I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy who's going to remember some date or that I'm going to be necessarily the first one to pick up the phone each time. I'm thinking about a client example where this is this recognition of a real strength. And again, how the ADD might come into play. It's like, she's a super supporter, right? She's going to support her friends. And so what she says to folks is, listen, I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get to you. It may not be today. It may not be right now, but I will get to you and we'll have that conversation. So recognizing time is not her strong suit and being timely, but she's going to show up. Just be okay with some flexibility there. And so she really knows that about herself. This is how she shows up as a friend. And this is the way that she can be a friend to others. Nothing about small talk, nothing about remembering dates, something that's going to tax the prefrontal cortex, but something she can really lean into to support them when they need it. Again, with a little leeway around the when part. All interesting stuff, Cam. And I have so much to say in response. And I want to start (laughs) with going back to cut and run. Because my experience was a little different than yours. My experience wasn't so much overwhelm as it was black and white thinking. Once something went wrong, my perspective was that friendship was ruined. I am ruined in that person's eyes. I am forever the jerk. So I might as well just assume. (laughs) In fact... Now that I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> no, here you are. Here's two, here's a great two story. Creatives remembering. <laughs> oh, watch out, listeners! Watch out, we're remembering. My best friend. <laughs> here is the story of how my best friend became my best friend. I met my best friend while I was living with a roommate who turned out to be a sociopath, and that roommate ended up commingling into a lot of my friend groups. She was a very new friend at the time that I knew her. Well, that roommate and I fell out in a very nasty way, and she was feeding me a lot of lies about how my friends didn't like me and thought I was a terrible person, and she called out Babette in specific. Well, we weren't that close, so we had plans to go see a show together, but I thought, "Mm, I'm just not going to call her. Well, it's a good thing that Babette doesn't take any crap, because she called me and she said, what the heck? Are we still going to this show? And I said, well, you know, my roommate told me some of the things you've been saying about me and it's fine. You can think what you want to think. I don't want to argue with you, but I think we should just leave it here. And you know what she said? That's a bunch of crap. I never liked your roommate. and I never understood why you were friends with her to begin with. So you see how my belief and the actual situation were so far apart, but it took someone pushing. She pushed in order for me to open that door back up. I was ready to close it, even knowing the actual truth. But she was relentless. She was absolutely relentless. And God love her for it, because that was a time in life that I needed a good friend. So the next thing I want to say, you were discussing how 
when you enter a new relationship, friendship, work relationship, romantic relationship, you really want to feel like you can be your authentic self and that you can show up from a place of strength and that you're not going to be required to do things regularly that are difficult for you, like remember birthdays. I am also not that person. I never will be that person. But there's a flip side to this too, and something that used to happen to me a lot and that I see happening to my clients a lot. And that's that those of us with ADHD tend to be empaths. I don't know if you've noticed that, but we really do tend to be empaths. And I have all sorts of theories about how that connects to our contextual processing. But for today's purposes, it's about people who will drain on that empathy. You know, emotional vampires that know that you're the person that will listen. And hey, I am the person that will listen. I listen for a living. But when it's all only going in one direction, and the only time you're hearing from this person is when they need to vent or they need to talk or they need to cry, that too can be challenging. So it's not just about what we're not good at, but also people taking advantage of what we are good at. I've seen both. Yeah, you, you want to rile me up is when folks take advantage of folks with ADHD. Like that's that's one of those hard stand places that I don't have much patience for. And there are people that are out there. You know, we were talking about supportive people last week, and in one of our tweets, I mentioned you know there there's unsupportive people and how they can take advantage of situations and take advantage of like you said the person with ADHD can kind of be drawn to drama and they're drawn to helping. And so you get into a dynamic where it's like, Oh, let me see, you know, let me, let me see Jessica jump and how far. And, uh, Oh, right. I'm in crisis. I, I know to, to pull this resource in. If it's one-sided, that's really, you know, it's really not fair. There's an element of fairness here that needs to be considered and not to be let it, not let it be based on level of stimulation, kind of stimulating to jump in and help people. But then we often are helping those and not helping ourselves, spreading ourselves thin. I want to switch over, if it's okay, two things. One I want, one I want to do is when you talked about black and white thinking and, the, and the, this is ruined, I just drew a little diagram of Mount Rainier and on either side of the lunch counter. Right, that that black and white thinking is above the lunch counter at causation. This way that we see the see and perceive the world in absolutes, and then how it's manifested, which is below the lunch counter, down in manifestation, down in effect, is these damning statements, these stories we tell ourselves of, you know, jumping to a conclusion of, oh well, you know, and and sociopaths aside. <laughs> we have these statements of, well, that relationship, it's ruined. May as well move on. To notice that connection. Do you have stories or statements that are absolute in nature? It's always or never. And it could be that your black and white thinking is fueling that perspective. Can I go over to a professional example? In the last couple of minutes here, Shelley? Absolutely, okay? please. I think that it's not just relationships and personal areas where this statement of, am I doing this right, 
impact. I think I see it all the time with work. There might be some expectations, especially in large organizations where the expectation is to kind of, in a sense, show up like a neurotypical. Show up on time, do your work in a certain sequence, do it this way. I'm not saying that's necessarily neurotypical, but I think it's it's harder for those of us with ADHD to follow some arbitrary or artificial rules. That and when we are like, well, why do I need to do that? It's like my son with <laughs> with gaming and study. He's like, why do I need to do the study first, Dad? That makes no sense to me. I'm getting the the study done, <laughs> but that that's another story. I think that we can get in there and sort of think the same way, like feel that pressure to do it a certain way. And like the default is I'm not doing this right. And in particular, I'm thinking about a client who is the CEO of his company, the business owner. And as a leader, he's got really three areas of responsibility, which is holding the vision, establishing and holding the vision. And then sharing that vision internally and externally. So communicating that vision and producing the vision of, you know, hey, we're getting in this direction. Uh, we're, we're going over here, folks. Let's go over here. And this is not the same person I was talking about in last week's example. So the third piece is the implementation part. When you think of any kind of leadership model, it's vision, communication, and implementation. So guess what? Guy has ADHD. He's not so great at that third part. He's really good at the first two. And what he's done is he's hired people to do that third part, right? The details, the follow-up, the taking these ideas and getting them over the finish line. And when his group wasn't being successful, he kind of brought it back onto himself. Like, what am I doing wrong here? And thinking, well, I have to be really good in all three. When we talked about it and realized he's covering two of them. He's covering two thirds. You think we could find somebody to really take ownership of the third one, of the implementation. And we realized that he didn't have to be the implementation guy. And he could be a more of a specialist. And I think that's the other thing that happens here is that when we say, I'm not doing this right, it's kind of we go to that absolute place of, well, I've got to do it all, or I've got to do it perfectly, right? And there's that perfection thing that's tethered back up the hill to black and white thinking. It's kind of that all or nothing approach. When we start to break that statement apart and start to look at what we are doing right, then we can start to really identify needs and where other people can come and support us to get what we want to get done, get done. Absolutely, Cam. And the one thing I will add to work relationships is something we talked about in a recent episode. My client who asked me permission to do a tracking system a different way than was requested. It was requested that she do it via a spreadsheet. And she right. came to me with my background in productivity and organizing and asked my permission to use a system she already knew worked for her. And so we can, again, operate under this assumption that our way is wrong or that we 
always have to be the ones that bend to what works for other people or what other people are requesting. We bend until we break, but we never ask for others to bend for us. I think that might be a topic right there. I think so too. <laughs> I love it when we do that, right? We always, an episode. I know. The end of the episode, new topics present themselves. Absolutely. So is that a good place to wrap, do you think, Cam? I think it is. I think it is, Shelly. All right. So if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you can help us out by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen. If you have feedback to share or something that you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast, you can hit us up on Twitter at TranslatingADHD or on the website TranslatingADHD.com. And until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.